Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Thanks, Biggie. Thank you so much. Hey, good morning, everyone. It's great to see, uh, great to see you. Doesn't it feel like a like a winter morning? Yep, I love it. Hopefully, you do too. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoyed last uh, last week. Had some time off and consumed mass amounts of turkey and pumpkin pie or whatever it is you eat uh, this time of year. But uh, Thanksgiving means we're at the end of November, and that means. Uh, Christmas is right around the corner. So here's something I love to do each year. How many of you haven't even started Christmas shopping yet? Okay, wow, last night it was almost the entire room. Okay, (laughs) how many of you, this is the elite group, how many of you have already finished your Christmas shopping? One? Man, you should get a prize. You can have, grab a handful of mints as you leave. But, uh, There are angels among us. Well done. Uh, Hey, so four weeks out from Christmas here at the Vineyard is when we move into the season of Advent. And depending on your church upbringing, if you were raised in the church, raised in a more traditional church, you're probably more familiar with the church calendar and the different seasons uh, throughout the year. So the season of Advent leads us to Christmas and then we get into New Year's and into Epiphany, uh, uh, and Epiphany leads us, then we go into the pre-Lenten uh, season, into the season of Lent, which ramps up to, to Easter, and then 50 days out from Easter, we have Pentecost, and then Pentecost points towards August when it's my birthday, so you might want to write that down, but uh, here at the Vineyard, I don't know if we've ever been accused of being overly traditional, we definitely have our traditions, but We do celebrate a couple of these, the season of Lent, the 40 days leading up to Easter, and of course Advent, these four weekends before Christmas. And both of these are seasons of preparation. Uh, If you remember, Lent is a season, we call it our 40 days of prayer and fasting. Lent is a season where there really is a focus on, it's a, for me personally, it's a long 40 days because it's, it's a time of self-denial typically. And it's a time where we, we get in touch with our sinfulness. We get in touch with our waywardness. Uh, we get in touch with our need of, of a Savior. Uh, Advent is also a time of preparation. It's, Advent is more a season of focusing on remembering, being encouraged by our belief that Jesus, the Son of God, once came to earth as a little baby boy, and that's the, f- the first Advent. Uh, But we also believe that he's going to come again one day. He will return as the mighty warrior, the conquering king, uh, to totally destroy all evil, to make everything right. And that'll be the second advent. And advent helps us get in touch with a longing inside for his return. And uh, the word advent comes from the Greek word adventus, which means the coming uh, or the arrival. So in this advent season, we're preparing for the arrival of Jesus. And you can trace Advent all the way back into the fourth, uh, fourth century. New, uh, uh, in the early church, believers would, would focus on this, this whole thing of Advent. They'd remember the first Advent, you know, Jesus, the Messiah, born in Bethlehem. And then they would, you know, in those days, they were sure he was coming back real soon. And so they would be, you know, uh, focusing on the second Advent, his, his return. And then uh, in, the, in the late 300s, 
There was a council called the Council of Saragossa. That's how you have to say it. Uh, but that's when the Advent season went from just sort of being more open-ended to being this four weeks uh, leading up to Christmas. And then I thought this was really interesting. In the, in the early 1800s, there was a German uh, Lutheran, Lutheran minister, and he was working with kids. And he wanted to help them understand the season of Advent uh, better. And so he came up with, made the first Advent wreath, which I'm sure many of you uh, have, are breaking out the Advent wreath. Or in this case, we've got like uh, more of an Advent, a, a Advent candle holder, if you will. And the whole season of Advent, the tradition is to light candles, right? There's four, the four weekends leading up to Christmas, and then many traditions are the this final candle that, that is lit on Christmas Day. And when we get into this part of Advent, this is where there's, there's some really cool uh, symbolism in the season of Advent. Think about this German minister back in the early 1800s at a time when electricity had not yet been discovered. You know, light bulbs had not yet been invented. And where, where a lit candle was your primary source of light. Uh, and it's, it's around Christmas time, so it's the darkest season of the year. And so the lighting of a candle each week is, is very symbolic. And here's what I mean. I mean, the first week you light, you light one candle. Second week it's two, then three, then four. And then on Christmas you typically light the fifth candle. And this is, is so cool because notice how the closer we get to the arrival of Jesus, the brighter the light gets. And that's really, that's, that's biblical. Uh, John said this about the arrival of Jesus. He said in John 1, the word, another name for Jesus, the word gave life to everything that was created <clears throat> and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. So there are five candles and uh, the first candle, which we'll look at this morning, uh, it is, uh, symbolizes hope. And that's known as the prophet's candle. The second candle uh, symbolizes faith. That's known as Bethlehem's candle. The third candle symbolizes joy. That's known as hockey candle. Okay, just seeing if you're listening. That's in my house, but it's also referred to as the shepherd's uh, candle. The uh, fourth candle symbolizes peace. And it's typically called the angel's candle. And then the fifth candle, which we're going to light on Christmas Eve, uh, symbolizes light. And that's typically called Christ's candle. So again, we're going to look at the first one today. Let's pray, and then, uh, then we'll jump in. So Lord, I thank you for a new day. I thank you for uh, just everyone that's here today. I thank you for new faces. I thank you for the freedom we have to gather. Lord, I pray today that you would remind us and surprise us of your presence with your presence. Lord, just come close, even now. Just stir in our hearts an awareness that you are here, and because you're here, anything can happen. There's nothing, there's no burden, no fear, no worry, no issue that is bigger than you that's here today. So just come and, and just encourage us with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, <clears throat> so first weekend of Advent, first candle is called the the prophet's candle, and it symbolizes hope. And, and it totally makes sense that these two, prophet or prophecy and hope, go hand in hand. Because really what you see here is like hope and the prophets. Like imagine like they're two pedals on a bicycle. Hope, prophecy, hope, prophecy. Like these two working together really are meant to, to energize your, your Christian life. What does that mean? What, what I mean is this. Let's start by looking at uh, prophets. 
Okay, here's a little bit of uh, a quiz. The Bible is made up cover to cover. How many books in the Bible? 66, 10 points. Uh, 66, there's 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. And of the 39 Old Testament books, 18 of them are known as prophetic books, meaning they were written, uh, written by prophets. In the Old Testament, the, the prophets were people who spoke for God. You know, thus saith the Lord. They always had great voices, like a James Earl Jones or something, and they always had these great voices, hear now, O Israel. And, and prophets, it was a crazy level of authority that they had, but also a crazy level of responsibility. God spoke to them. God spoke through them. We learn a bit more about this whole thing of prophets and prophecy in 2 Peter. It says this. We also have this, have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns in Christ the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So God would speak to them, God would speak through them, and typically when you look in the Old Testament, uh, uh, the prophets spoke to God's people, the Israelites, and, and, and more often than not, it was, it was two categories. The first one was a prediction, right? They'd be prophesying the future, like something that was to come. And then the second category that we see a lot is, would be uh, prophecies of warning, warning the people, like, hey, something, like, something needs to change now or something needs to happen now in order for you as God's people to get ready for, to not miss out on what uh, he has said is to come. And so, and so then when we look at prophecy and hope, how do these two work together to, to encourage us. Well, uh, in the Old Testament, there are approximately uh, 350 prophecies specifically about Jesus. Now, there's loads of other prophecies in the Old Testament, but there's, there's 350 that are specifically pointing to Jesus, to the Messiah, to the Son of God that would come to earth to rescue his people from bondage. I remember a buddy of mine <clears throat> said this once, and I found it very helpful. He said, you know, you can summarize the Old Testament this way. He is coming. And then you can summarize the New Testament this way. What do you think it is? He is here. He is here. Jesus is coming. Jesus is here. And one of the things that marks the people of Israel, God's, uh, God's chosen people in the Old Testament, is this longing, this longing for their Messiah, this longing to be set free from captivity, this, this longing you know, for all these <clears throat> prophecies about this chosen one, this Messiah, uh, to, be, to be fulfilled. And one of the purposes of prophecy is, purposes of prophecy is to encourage. Right? One of the purposes is it's to remind us, hey, whatever you're going through right now, no matter how hard or how bleak or how dark, you are not alone. It's meant to encourage us. God is with you. He's with you. And he's working. It's like the series we just went through, Resilient. The, one of the, you know, the heart of that series was Joseph. God would say to Joseph, Joseph, I have not forgotten you. Right? All the stuff that you are going through, I have not forgotten you. I am with you. And I am working in all this. 
Joseph. In fact, I am working in all this for, for your good. And so one of the purposes of prophecies is to encourage, but especially when we look at the, the prophecy, these promises for the future, uh, they are meant, they're meant to give us hope, to fill us with hope. Life is hard right now, but don't give up. Don't give up. No matter how hard it is, this is not the end for you. God has very specific plans for your life. So maybe a verse comes to your mind right now. Jeremiah 29, 11. Super popular, uh, super popular verse written by the, you know, the prophet Jeremiah uh, to God's people to, to let them know of God's, you know, God's plans for them, to encourage them, to give them hope. But when I look at Jeremiah 29, 11, it's like, why is that verse so popular? Right? You know, if, if, you're, if you memorize scripture after John 3.16, I bet this one's close to the top of your list. Right? Or if you, well, I guess we don't have Lifeway Christian books anymore. But if you go online and, and you look at Christian coffee mugs, I guarantee you're going to see this verse on a coffee mug. And so why is that? Well, because this verse uh, gives us hope. Jeremiah 29.11, For I know the plans I have for you. This is God speaking, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, if you just had that rolling around your mind all day today, I, all day today, I promise you that, that would give, it will give you hope. It will stir hope in, in your heart. And see, God is really smart, in case you didn't know that. Uh, God is really smart. He knows how we function as human beings. Like, he knows how we're wired because, obviously, he wired us. But what I mean is this. He knows that as human beings, when you're going through a tough time, you know, when it's, when it's hard, you know, uh, we, we have this thing that we do, that we naturally do, and it's like, we start looking. We, we, we literally look to find something to look forward to. Don't you do that? I mean, I, it's something that we naturally do. I remember back... This, uh, this memory came back to me uh, this week of when I was 19, my now wife, Helen, uh, we, were, uh, we were dating, uh, and, and during that season, I worked as a bricklayer's helper, and that's a really hard job, at least I, boy, oh boy, it's like you're mixing cement, and you're running up and down a ladder, you know, building chimneys with these buckets of mud, we would call it, and you're lugging bricks up and down, and I worked for a guy, I can still picture this guy, he would just natter at me, Michael, Michael. He would natter all day long, and there'd be so many days where I'd be like, well, I won't tell you what I was thinking or what I, what I was mumbling to myself, uh, but, but there was like, oh, I hate this job, right? I, like, today, you know, I'd look at my watch and think, oh, are you kidding me? It's only nine o'clock in the morning. Like, today is never going to end, and so what I would instinctively do is I'd start trying to find something to look forward to, and many times it would be, wait a minute, wait a minute. Tonight, I'm getting together with Helen. And we're going to go to a movie. Remember movies? Remember when we used to go to movies? Right? We're going to go to a movie. And, and this is not an exaggeration, because I know you do this too. In that remembering, hope would rise in my heart. And suddenly, I don't know if I would be whistling while I worked, but suddenly it wasn't so bad. Suddenly, you know, because I still had to do the job. I still had to lug those bricks and, and put up with, my, 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 you know, my, the guy I worked for. But I had hope. And the hope made all, made all the difference. So in that remembering, 
that whole thing of you know, looking forward to something, it is a simple, simple but super powerful discipline. And, and here's where God is so smart and, and where prophecy and hope work together to energize our faith. This discipline of finding something to look forward to, right, to get us through hard days, hard times, something that we all instinctively do is also a foundational discipline of the Christian faith. You can call it the discipline of remembering. Remembering. Remembering the promises of God. The prophecies that we see in the Bible, right? It's, it's the discipline of remembering. The discipline of looking forward. Listen to this quote from, uh, from C.S. Lewis. Hope is one of the theological virtues. This means that a continual looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some modern people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking, but one of the things a Christian is meant to do. It does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. Okay, hope, hope, having hope, drawing hope from, these, you know, from the future, what I'm talking about here, is foundational to the Christian life. I mean, when you look at the Christian faith, it literally is part of the very definition of our faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is, what is faith? Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. We're wired to do this. We're wired to look forward. We're wired to, to remember. We're wired to, you know, to look ahead and to draw hope from these things. And this is super important because this, here's a news flash, because life can be really hard, can't it? And if, you, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, I promise you that you're going to have times where your faith gets rattled, right? One of the challenges of the Christian life, and really what this uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 is pointing to, and something that we always need to remember is that right now, we here in 2020, it's still 2020, uh, um, we are living between the two Advents, right? We, we are living our lives between Advent 1 and Advent 2, the, the, the two arrivals of Jesus. Jesus came to earth as a little baby boy, first Advent, Christmas. And then he grew up, and during his time on earth, his, his, his ministry on earth was uh, going around doing all these amazing miracles and speaking all these life-giving truths. And, and, you know, and basically, Jesus walked around. He both proclaimed and demonstrated, hey, listen up. The kingdom of God is here. And let me show you what it looks like when the kingdom of God, when God arrives on planet earth. And the Bible teaches that before Jesus came, before that first advent, it literally says that the people walked in darkness. That's what it was like. The people were lost in darkness. But when Jesus came, poof, the, light, the light shone brightly into the world. And like what I read earlier, and the darkness could not, the darkness cannot extinguish the light of Jesus. It will forever burn bright. But here's the challenge. In the first advent, the kingdom of God has come, but it hasn't fully come. Right? It hasn't fully come. Even though the light is here, have you noticed? The darkness still remains. And it's going to remain until the second advent, when Jesus comes back and, and he comes to, to make everything right. And I know this is really simple, but, it, but it, I think it's helpful. What I'm talking about right now, that's why life is so hard. 
Because the darkness still remains. There's a lot of darkness in our world. We've seen a lot, haven't we, this year? We've seen a lot of darkness in our own lives this year. I know I, know I have. Right? There's, the darkness still remains. And so it's hard because we have these tastes of what is to come. But, but it's not fully here. We're not there yet. And, and in the Old Testament, we see God's people drawing hope from the prophecies regarding this coming Messiah. And for us now in this in-between time, we now draw hope both from his presence with us, but also from the prophecies and what he says about what is to come in this, you know, looking forward to the second advent, to the second coming. And, and so some of us, you know, understanding that we're living in this in-between time, some of us need to be reminded today that the Christian life, that as Christians, we are, we're journey people. We're not destination people. Does that make sense? Right? What, what I mean is this. Like, however many years we have on planet Earth, we are on a pilgrimage. Like, this is not our home. Do you ever think about that? The Bible says this isn't our home. Right? We, we aren't home yet, but we are heading home. We're on a journey. We're on a pilgrimage. And, you know, as followers of Jesus, you kind of need to get, kind of need to, you need to get used to being a little bit off balance on this journey and dealing with a little bit of homesickness as we travel. If you're looking for home now here on earth, I guarantee you're going to be disappointed because we're not home yet. I mean, home is what is to come. Home is the promise of heaven. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. We're not home yet, but we will be one day. And that promise, that future promise, that future hope literally brings encouragement to us right now in, in the present. And, and this is really important because as humans, what we believe about the future, you know, what we are drawing hope from is uh, totally influences, totally impacts how we view and live our lives now in the present. Here, here's what I mean. Uh, I heard a story recently. If you're a Tim Keller fan, you, you'll probably be familiar with this story. Um, but uh, the story goes like this. <clears throat> Imagine that you have two men and these guys are like identical. I don't mean identical twins, but they're, they're just super similar. Meaning, you know, they're the same age, same temperament, raised in the, you know, same, had similar, same upbringing, uh, same level of education, on and on. And you've hired both these guys to do the same job. And it's a pretty mundane job. They're just, you know, putting uh, handles on cupboards. And, and so they're working, they're not working together, but they're in, they work in identical environments. Uh, they work 10 hours a day with 30 minutes for lunch. So, so, Everything is the same for these two guys except for one thing. You tell this guy, hey, at the end of the year, I'm going to pay you $10,000. And then you tell this guy, hey, at the end of the year, I'm going to pay you $10 million. And off they go to work. And a couple of weeks out, <clears throat> these two guys meet up in the lunchroom. And the first guy's like, oh, man, man, this job... Uh, this job stinks. I had to scroll through my mind there. What was the appropriate word? <clears throat> Sunday morning, come on. But, but this job really stinks. It is such a drag. I hate this job. I'm going to quit this job. And the other guy's listening going, really? Really? Uh, no, actually, I really enjoy this job. 
Like I, I wake up in the morning and I can't wait to get to work. Now, what's the difference? And this is really simple, but really important. What's the difference? What they believe regarding their future, their future hope is influencing how they are living their present life. So let me end with this. If the band wants to come up, they can get ready. Let me end with this question. Here's the question. When's the last time you thought about heaven? When, like, when's the last time that you just, you know, got quiet and just thought about this place, this amazing place that Jesus said, hey, I'm going to go ahead of you, and, and I'm going to prepare this place for you. And, you know, <laughs> look at how beautiful the earth is. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Like the Bible says that we can't even imagine how beautiful this place is going to be. That, he's, that he is making for us, that, you know, that, that, that we, I mean, that we will one day be. Let me, let me read this. Here's a little snapshot, you know, just a tiny drop in trying to capture this place. Revelations 21. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. (laughs) He will wipe every tear from their eyes. It's not in my notes to have a breakdown right here. I just have all these pictures of ones that have, have gone before. Sisters, I have two sisters that died way too young. So just imagine this place. There will be no more death. No more sorrow or crying or pain. All these things... Gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down. For what I tell you is trustworthy and it's true. Like that's just a glimpse of our destination. That's just a glimpse of, you know, of where, of where we're going. I mean, that's, that is worth so much more than $10 million. Like, no thanks, give me that. Give me that. And, and see, and, and, the, and the plan is that we would look at that, be reminded of that, and that we would draw hope from that place, from that promise, from that prophecy, right? It's meant to, in, to bring, in, energize our Christian life as we, as we travel this, this journey that we're on. Let me say one last thing before, before we go back into worship. You know, uh, one of the things that I pray for us as a church family, I pray for kingdom confidence. Kingdom confidence that we would increasingly believe that this is all true. And not just this, I mean, yes, this, but I mean, all the promises of the Bible that we would be a people who would believe that it's true. And I, and I pray for that for lots of reasons, but one of them is because the natural overflow 
of kingdom confidence is that you're going to share that with others. And I, and I know this because I've been talking to many of you. For a lot of you, you've been getting stirred up with a desire to share your faith. Right? But, but you struggle because you go, what do I share? I don't know what to share. I get so nervous. Well, look at this. For those <clears throat> of you who are being stirred up, this is one of the things that we share. It's not some memorized evangelistic formula. What we share is the hope, the hope that we find in Jesus. And, and, and in most cases, we're still, you know, we're, we're still going through the struggle, struggles. We're still having to lug the bricks, right? Uh, uh, but we have hope. And that hope makes all the difference. Let me end with this scripture. Romans 8.23 says, For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers, we also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Why don't we, why don't we stand up? So as I light this first candle, the prophet's candle that symbolizes hope, I want us to remember, <clears throat> remember and celebrate the, uh, the first advent, the first arrival of Jesus I also want us to remember and look forward to uh, the second advent when, when Jesus will return to make everything right. But, you know, as we look at this very alive open flame, I also want us this morning to remember the very real and active presence of God that is with us, that is with us right now. And, and so as we go back into worship, I want you to be sensitive to his presence. And for some of you, what might help you do that is just even as the music starts, just to say, Lord, just tune me into you. Lord, make me aware of your presence right now. I encourage you to do that. To, and as you become aware, just, just be responsive to him. So we're going to sing a couple songs, and then we'll come back, and we'll have a time to respond. And, and during this time, if you grab communion elements, feel free to take communion on your own with your family. If, if you want to grab those, just go on back there at the tables in the back. You can grab that. So... So uh, let's, let's worship, and then we'll respond in a little bit. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.